Welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast, your home for authentic, effective, and socially integrated sales strategies to help you master the art of selling. Join your co-hosts, Larry Levine and Daryl Amy, along with some of the world's best sales thought leaders and practitioners as we explore ways to help you grow your sales. Hello and welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Uh, this is Daryl Amy here with your co-host Larry Levine. What's going on today, Larry? It's great. It's sunny in Southern California. That's all I got to say. The weather is beautiful. I, I don't need to hear anybody complaining about the weather from Southern California. And uh, our guest today from Boston is probably going to agree that you are the last <laughs> person in the world that needs to uh, complain about the weather. <laughs> welcome back, everybody. Hope uh, We're really excited about what we have today. We've got a special guest today that I think is uh, the uh, quintessential double whammy for the Selling from the Heart podcast. Uh, Brian Signorelli is not only a uh, very acclaimed and accomplished and passionate salesperson that totally fits the mold of the uh, the type of folks that, that uh, we're uh, bringing into this tribe, but also uh, he is the director of the Global Sales Partner Program for one of the world's leading uh, inbound marketing and inbound sales platforms, HubSpot. And so we've got an incredible expert online today that is going to be able to share passionate sales philosophies combined with what we've been talking about all along, which is bringing the goods and being a sales rep that actually brings real value to the table. So hello, Brian, and welcome to the Selling, <laughs> Selling from the Heart podcast. We're glad you're here. Thanks a lot, Daryl, and, and thanks thanks as well, Larry. I really am looking forward to chatting with you guys today, and I appreciate you inviting me on as a, as a guest to, to the podcast. I The first time I heard the name for this podcast, Selling from the Heart, I it just immediately jumped out to me, and I'm really glad to, to be a part of it today and to contribute to, to your audience. Man, I, can't, I can't wait. I can't wait for one reason, because well, this is the third time we podcasted, Brian. But it's been twice on yours, so it's nice to flip the it's nice to flip the coin. Absolutely. And by the way, in the show notes, and and this was supposed to be part of the intro as well, is uh, Brian is co-host of one of my favorite podcasts, the Yin and Yang podcast, which is a sales and marketing podcast. We'll put the link uh, in the show notes. You can look it up on iTunes, Yin and Yang podcast, and uh, fantastic uh, resource. Uh, I know all of our listeners will enjoy that. But as we get started, Brian, you know, as you think about um, sales in today's world, I mean, what is it? What does it mean to you when we say selling from the heart? Yeah, I mean, for for me, um, the first thing that just kind of jumps to my mind is that, you know, to be able to sell from the heart, you actually have to care about what your prospective customers care about. You have to have a have a certain level of empathy. Ideally, a lot of it, you have to have emotional intelligence. You have to be able to relate to people. You have to be able to walk a mile in their shoes and understand what it might be like to be going through the challenges or be held to the goals that they're being held to and be able to sit right alongside them as opposed to across the desk or across the Zoom or the GoToWebinar or whatever mm-hmm. um, and and actually be a partner with them and be able to, 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 to figure out what exactly it is that's going to help them um, help them improve their business, help their team do better, 
help them get to their goals that have been set for them faster or more efficiently or more profitably, uh, so on and so forth, or just simply or just simply overcoming challenges and in some cases just simply reducing risk in a business. Uh, and, I, and I think that's it, it's a pretty tough thing for reps to do insofar as that, you know, the way that sales compensation is structured today puts a ton of pressure on people to say, yeah, but it's like about my number and my quota and like I've got to move these deals forward and I've got to right. get the contract signed. And so there's these, these fundamentally competing interests. I think that many sales reps are capable of doing this, but they do have this fundamental disconnect between what a customer needs versus the way that their company they're working for pays them yeah. to behave and operate. Uh, the old pay plan, that's the uh, perennial uh, challenge. But I, you know, something you said that, that it really, uh, I thought was, it resonated with me is, is, you know, as salespeople, we are always thinking about the business problems and solving the problems and good sales reps, good solutions, sales reps know how to do that. But I think part of selling from the heart is actually the heart side is, is, is understanding, empathizing with feeling the um, impact of the problem, of the solution, of what if the solution doesn't go well, you know, all of that and, and really getting uh, side by side. And Larry, I know that's something I've watched you do um, in the selling role many, many times. And, and I think that is a huge part of selling from the heart. Well, I think, you know, there's a couple key things on that is people can smell insincerity a mile away. Mm -hmm. And I'm a firm believer in it. And it goes back to, I always try to put myself in their shoes and there's so much being thrown out in the media today about fake news. And I kind of correlate that to a fake sales rep. <laughs> right. I, yeah. I think, I think, a, I think a buyer, you know, and let's just clump all the titles into a buyer, but I think a buyer can really sense when somebody's throwing a bunch of BS at them. And when you're not genuine, when you're not sincere and you're trying to put on a theater act, People are going to just they're going to just see right through that in two seconds. So that's why I just said, you know, if you can just act your normal self and quit putting on a facade. Yeah. And truly yeah. genuine care, it will just come out. It'll just come out in who you are naturally. But the problem is, is most like to Brian's point is the comp programs are driving people to say, you know, I don't have time to build relationships because I got my manager just beating right. me over the head for numbers. So. Right. I mean, Brian, can you imagine a sales manager sitting down at the end of the week with somebody and saying, so tell me what it was like this week. And that salesperson goes, well, you know, I started 15 great relationships. I had 15 great conversations. I'm going to go, OK, what's next? I hope that someday we get there. Yeah, I hope that someday that's what it is. Um, it's yeah, a topic that. You know, I'm probably not qualified to speak on in terms of that deep pay structure and comp plans and whatnot. And uh, I yeah. think there's a lot of smart people thinking about that and talking about it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. To answer your question, Larry, uh, a rep would get laughed out of the room and say, yeah, okay, that's nice. But which stages, which which deal stages are those right. are those relationships? In? And what are the, what's the forecast of value? Yeah. And what's the expected close date? And did you meet the exit criteria on a deal by deal level, the pipeline review, did you hit the exit criteria? What action did they take? Did you ask these questions? You yeah. see where I'm going with this. Exactly. That's, that's what happens. Well, and those are, those are realities that are, are probably never going to go away um, in, in many ways. Obviously sales reps have to deliver results at the end of the day, but you know, we, I mean, we, and we're, we passionately believe that relationship funnels drive sales funnels. So if you look at this, um, you know, in today, obviously, in today's world, as a salesperson, we've got to be able to 
build relationships both face to face and digitally. And those two intersect with each other um, throughout the process. So we're always we're always talking um, about the reality that sales reps have to bring the goods, right? You've got to bring real, substantive, um, helpful, useful information to the buyer that that uh, not only positions you as an expert but truly adds value and shows the value that you can add. And you know what what we want to talk about today, in light of that, and and I think there's going to be some interesting twists on this, but. Um, from your perspective as a um, as, as a, 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 a content expert, an inbound marketing expert, and a sales enablement expert, um, what what are the what are the ways that a sales rep these days can really bring the goods and position themselves as a helpful expert to the buyer? What are our what are our sales reps need to be thinking as they're going? Okay, guys. This is all great, but how do I how do I leverage content as a sales rep to to bring the goods to my prospect, to bring the real ideas out to the the people I want to do business with? What are some thoughts on that, Brian? Sure. Yeah. So I said the, one of the first things you got to get inti- intimately familiar with is who your company is selling to. Yeah. And the problem that you're actually solving, right? So, you know. I'm talking about a brand new sales rep on the floor. One of the first things I'd probably actually recommend a sales rep do, uh, and it's a little bit different the way we do it at HubSpot. We've got a pretty formalized training program that gives people exposure to a bunch of different areas of the business, all different seniority levels, levels, et cetera. But if we didn't have that program, one of the first things I would probably recommend one of my new sales hires to do is go spend a bunch of time with the marketing team and go understand how we actually draw people into the business, understand why they decided to write certain piece of content the way that they did. Ask them where they think that we have gaps. Ask them which pieces of content get the most engagement, the most traction. Read mm. those pieces of content. Learn all about it. Learn as much as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. That's one of the easiest ways, and I, I think it's one of the easiest ways to kind of get yourself up to speed. Um, doesn't require a ton of effort uh, and starts to make you almost immediately conversational um, assuming that your marketing team is actually doing the right type of marketing content. What I, what I mean by that is, mm-hmm. is your marketing team creating uh, content that is answering the questions that your business's prospects or potential buyers are asking or not? And it's that simple. So I got a question for you, Brian, because uh, I'm going to throw a twist on this, but it's just me throwing, a, throwing something is – I'm an old school. I'm an old school guy from the standpoint of, you know, I grew up in an era and I grew up in a world where I didn't have a marketing department. Mm-hmm. Right. And I had, I had to not only as a sales rep did I have to think differently. Well, I had to think as a marketing person as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the things that, that I think I did real well that I encourage sales reps who don't have marketing departments, if they want to find some great content is snuggle up with your clients and ask those CFOs or those IT managers or those facility managers, you know, where are they going online to learn how to do their job better? Because that could be a first clue for a sales rep as, hey, here's some ways that I can educate myself. But if they're looking for that content, then I can serve up that same content to help me get engaged in conversations online. You see where I'm going with this? Absolutely. And I think that that's that's a second bit, you know, that I'd add on to this is, you know, if you want to get educated really fast, Mm-hmm. You, you have to do exactly what you talked about, which is you have to hang out where your buyers are. Yeah. You know, that might be trade pubs. Yeah. Um, 
that might be that might be LinkedIn. It might not be. I mean, who you, you're going to have to figure that out. You know, you, and right. and ideally, the simplest thing is not to make it so complicated. We're like, oh god, like I'm going to do this <laughs> deep research and analysis and try to figure out where they are. How about just ask them? Right. Just ask them where they go. What do they read? How do they stay up to date on industry topics? Who do they talk with on a regular basis? See if you can find the blogs, find the trade rags, find whatever it is, wherever they are hanging out, the LinkedIn groups. Um, find out where they are and subscribe to those groups and get that content delivered to you on a regular basis. Make it easy for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, uh, it's just interesting to reach over on my desk. I mean, I've got CFO magazine here. It comes to my inbox. One of the key, you know, uh, personas that our team markets towards is CFO. So, um, but as a sales rep that wants to bring the goods, this magazine or the online version needs to do more than just sit on my desk, right? Mm -hmm. I got to open it up. I've got to consume the content. I need to learn um, about the the business challenges, what they're talking about, the buzzwords, all of that. And I think one of the things that happens, uh, and I love that you said the sales reps need to go in and read the marketing material their company produce, is, is I think there's like this uh, laziness in social in particular right now where we just share stuff. I'm just going to share it. But but we as sales reps that really want to bring value to the table, we actually need to consume the stuff that we're sharing. And we need to to make, you know, just like obviously the proverbial, you know, you wouldn't want to go to a doctor that didn't spend a significant amount of time every week reading the the medical journals as as sales reps that want to sell from the heart and be uh, people that truly add value. We've got to con continually educate educate ourselves, not just on what we're selling, but on the the market that we're selling to. And, um, you know, I, I think we've got to really, really, really dig in and and read and invest the time uh, to, to become experts. Uh, and that's so rare out there that just by definition of doing that, I really believe that that that's the fastest way to, to put yourself in the top 10 percent. Well, it's it's interesting because Brian, I think you're you're gonna love this. So Daryl doesn't even know this yet. So yesterday I was at Kiwanis. So I'm I'm an active member in my community, my Kiwanis group, and we had a guest speaker. So every week we have a guest speaker, and it just so happened that the guest speaker, and this is just so. I mean, I can't believe we were going to talk about it, but this I'm reading it off my phone because I took notes, <laughs> and it was an ex school teacher who's running kind of like the teachers education association in the county that I live in. And what she went on to say is how teachers must consume themselves with content, you know, five to 10 times more content than the average student, because you never know what question a teacher is going to get asked. Right. Wow. So then I equated it to this sentence and I took teachers out. But she goes, so I'm going to replace teachers. I'm going to throw it in with sales reps and then see what you think. Brian. I'm going to go sales reps must equip themselves with content knowledge. And what's really and so what's really interesting about that as a sales rep is I go, you know, I got to learn and I got to consume so much content because if I want to be seen as the expert, then I got to do a lot of learning and content opens up a world of learning. Couldn't I couldn't agree. I could not agree with this this more. And I think it, it is it is inter it's an interesting shift that, you know, as a salesperson, um, and I can't, I can't speak, you know, longitudinally ac across decades. Believe me, I wish I could. Um, no, you don't. <laughs> but I wish you could. Like I mean, I've got, you look I've like got one decade. I wish I was great. I've got one. I've got one. I've got one decade. That's it. <laughs> um, 
I, I think one of the, one of the most important things, and and I, and I actually do believe that, you know, if I had been a sales rep 20 years ago, I still think that I would have found that the best sales reps are the ones that have the deepest industry knowledge. Um, it, yeah. it, it, I think it just become more obvious and apparent now because we have. Um, it'll sound silly, but it's like because we have the internet, because we have Google, because we have social media sure. platforms, um, it just becomes more visible to everybody, and people have changed the way they're kind of doing research and and all that. I think right. one of the things that really stands out to me that kind of reinforces this lifelong learning mindset or the importance of that lifelong learning mindset is this uh, this quote. And I don't mean to be too kind of cliche using quotes, but this one really just popped popped for me recently, maybe like four or five months ago, and it went something like this. Um, said, if you as a salesperson can't teach a prospect about something that they can find on their own, then the prospect has no reason to speak with you. Bingo. Yep. But, and so that kind of, like, no problem. That's it. It's, yeah. If they can find it on their own, if it's something that you are just regurgitating that, that they could have otherwise found on their own or they've already found on their own most likely, they have no reason to speak with you. Well, and so I, I think that's spot on because then, you know, once you have that content or sales reps, we need to be consuming the content and then adding value to it and the value, you know, value at in a social scenario, obviously uh, we share a LinkedIn or Twitter uh, update. We're going to add some value, right? We're going to say, this is what this means. But I think the other twist to adding value beyond just the two or three sentences is getting inside the heart and the mind of the buyer that you're reaching out to with the emotional intelligence, with the empathy, with the, the heart, the feeling side of it. And I think so many times, and, and, and I do this all the time, I share content, but I just kind of share it from an intellectual level. But I notice on social channels, when I start sharing content more from an emotional level, the engagement is through the roof different than just a you know, a, 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 a mental uh, type of, of, of share, a, something that truly connects with my heart and or the emotions or heart of the, the person that I'm communicating with. And, you know, I'm, I'm just curious, I throw it out to both you guys is, is how can we be more um, emotionally intelligent and engaging in the way that we share information? We'll start with online. Well, I, I think, um, and you guys see it and, I love driving conversation online and Brian, you've seen it. And I know Daryl, you've witnessed it mm -hmm. is when I write stuff and when I generate content, I'm speaking from, Hey, I've walked a day in the life. This has had an impact to me. And I, and I think quite often sales reps aren't educated on what content to, to really drive that can engage somebody in a conversation. So it's just like that fly trap out there, right? They're just throwing anything out there to see what sticks. Right. Right. But if, they could truly, if, if they walk the day in the life of some of the content that they put out there, then there's going to be some passion and some emotion behind it. And that's, you know, when I write or a lot of that content I drive is because it's had an impact to me. So I can speak intelligently about it if somebody starts driving conversation in a string of, of a blog or a string of a post. Yeah, but I love anytime you write anything online, Larry, there's always emotion and passion behind it. I mean, you throw it out there, right? There's, there's not, it's not just cerebral intellectual stuff. I mean, you throw it out there with emotion and, and, you know, I even just think of uh, a webinar I was promoting today and, and, and we're going to share some valuable content on this webinar coming up. 
Um, and you know, it's like even beginning the, the, the content with emotion, like nothing frustrates me more than, you know, or yeah. one of the most challenging things I see people wrestling with that type of thing, bringing it from just sharing facts and figures to actually, you know, part of our, our, if we would do this face to face all the time, right. We need some passion, some hand gestures, some emotion with the, uh, the content we share. And of course, Brian, well-written content. Uh, that is geared towards buyer personas and done with an inbound methodology, that content itself should have some emotional resonance. But I think as sales reps, part of our job is to bring emotion to facts and bring, you know, impact. Um, so from your perspective, what are some things that, that reps can do to amp up the emotional, the, the, uh, the, the, the grit inside, um, inside their, their sharing of, of content? So, uh, a couple, a couple thoughts on it. Um, the first thing I'd say is ditch the script. Yeah. Um, I think this is a problem that so many reps run into. They become script reading monkeys. Um, someone hands them a script, says it's the sales playbook. And then, like, and the reason I say this is that I, I did this as a rep and I had reps do this when I was a manager that they would get so freaked out about talking to people that they would default back to a script. They have two monitors. They'd be right. reading off one script, reading questions, and then they'd be kind of talking, you know, talking or presenting on the other. Problem with that is there's no way, there's no way that your genuine voice, your true voice, is going to come out when you're reading off of a script. Right. Um, I know this might sound obvious. This might be like sales 101 type stuff, but I'd be willing to bet that this is a far more pervasive problem than. Um, then, then sales leaders might be willing to admit. So I think that's the first thing is like just getting enough reps, doing enough role play. I think role play is one of the most uncomfortable things for reps to do, but is often the absolute most effective. And it's not because you're like getting into the psychological details of how to navigate a conversation. It's that you're practicing having conversations. And oh, you just said the magic word, Brian. You just said the magic word that, uh, oh my God. Oh, you no. mean sales reps have to practice, dude? Come on. <laughs> I don't need practice. Uh, here we go. Larry's going to be sharing the video. We're going to see Iverson. This, thanks, Brian. Um, but it's, I, didn't know we had a, I didn't know we had a trigger word. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, the dude, Brian, the trigger word's practice, right? <laughs> Noted. I got, I got that, it. What sales manager one. actually has their sales reps practice and Lord forbid in front of a camera or in front mm -hmm. of something? Oh, my gosh. But that's a topic yeah. of another podcast. Yeah, so I think, I, think that's, I think that's part of it. It's just – you got to practice having conversations. Right. You don't have to be five conversations. You got to have to. You got to practice that to like let your true voice come out. And then you got to be able to think on your. You got to be able to think on your feet. You just. You have to. You have to, for that genuine voice to come out. You have to be able to think through and navigate a conversation as it naturally develops. Um, I think that's one part of it. And then when it comes to the written word as opposed mm -hmm. to the spoken, I think people need to just throw out what they learned about business writing. Like, don't be politically. You know. Oh, you know, even that. Like, I'm not sure. Um, but don't, don't necessarily be like in incendiary or, you know, whatever else. Um, I mean, and make your content easy to read, easy to follow. Right, right. Um, but don't, don't let the kind of proper terminology and like very, like what, I, what I'm, what I'm really getting at is, you know, I think when people think of business writing, it has, it, that it's very sterile. It's right. A, it's like a white paper. It has no, I mean, that's, that's the definition of a white paper. It has no opinion. White. It's presented right. for the yeah, side, exactly. right? Right. I mean, yeah. that's, that's so, so get, get, get off of that. Like, and guess what? If you make a typo in a blog post, you make a typo in a LinkedIn post, no big deal. You can go back and fix it. Someone point it out. It just shows that you're more human. That's right. all that it is. 
Yeah, um, and I think the, the less you worry about kind of using the exact right word, the exact right phrasing, and trying to be so vanilla that you know, you're not going to offend anybody or make anyone too mad or that you're going to go, you know, you're going so far off the reservation. You know, I'm not saying go completely off the reservation, but don't be right. afraid to explore the outer bounds, you know, because that's, I think, where emotion can live sometimes. That's that, And that's that's a human need. You know, humans want to connect to each other. We do that through emotion. Uh, we so do that through interaction. So can I, I got to throw something out because you're probably of that generation. So sorry, Brian, but where does, emo, where does emojis fit into this? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I missed that by about I missed that by about three to five years. I missed that by about three. To five. Although what's interesting is I'm now noticing my parents try to use emojis all the time, but they use it like so much. So I'm like, no, you're you kind of gone too far at this point. Right. Um, I'm not I'm not really sure where I'm not sure where they fit in. My only my only favorite emoji is the rocket ship for some reason because I think like <laughs> it represents one of my one of my favorite phrases which is onward and upward and that's kind of what a rocket ship represents to me. Fair. Um, but no, yeah, aside from that, no, because I mean the, re the reason why that popped into my head is because we're talking about content and conversation and if you see so right. often, I don't care if it's Instagram. If it's Twitter, if it's LinkedIn, if it's Facebook, you see so many people driving pieces of content and they're communicating with five emojis, a word, three more emojis. And that's the conversations that people are having around content. So to me, you know, as somebody who's a little bit more seasoned, you're trying to go, OK, well, what do all these emojis freaking mean? We've seen this in we've seen this in Facebook, right? So Facebook, one of Facebook's big steps was to move past just the like. Okay, that right. was a simple thing. Um, you know, so now you can, you know, you have the heart or the love or whatever, and you can you're frustrated or sad face or whatever in Facebook, and like you're getting more emotional. I don't think it's that long before we're going to see similar things get applied to a platform like LinkedIn. Right. Um, should Microsoft decide to kind of, you know, take it take a jump into that into that into that that uh, that emotional pool, so to speak. Right. Um, one thing I've always kind of wished existed, and you see this on certain sites like Reddit, for example. Um, I wish that there was a thumbs down button. Right. On LinkedIn, Facebook, right. yeah, just like no, like I think that's a crappy opinion, or like here's where I think you went wrong. Um, it probably, you know, can create a little bit of herd. It's probably not there because it could probably create herd mentality that gets people into this like horrible downward spiral. Maybe not. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but uh, yeah, I think that there's there's certainly room to have more emotional engagement and reaction, uh, whether that's um, in person, or online, because I don't think the online world necessarily matches the real world conversations we have with each other. Yeah, yeah. So good. Well, so much, so much good thinking here. And so as we we wrap up our podcast today, um, first of all, Brian, thank you so much for for bringing your heart to this and and bringing your your uh, experience. Um, as we do every week, we want to challenge all of our, our listeners to, uh, to take this and implement it. And so from a practical standpoint, there's, there's really two action items. Um, first of all, read some content this week. Don't just share the article. Actually take five, ten minutes and read content. Become a consumer of both your company's content and the the content your prospects consume. And probably if you had a choice between the two, I'd lean towards the ones your prospects consume. Become a consumer of that. And then the second thing is, I, I know that all of the people that sell from the heart are engaging passionately in face-to-face -face conversation. There's emotion and empathy and, and all of that there. But I want to challenge everybody 
to think, uh, to, 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 to experiment with, to try bringing more emotional intelligence and more passion and more um, touchy-feely without emojis. I'm going to say no to the emojis, Larry. Sorry. If I see an emoji in your LinkedIn update, I, I, I may. Look, I may oh, Darryl, okay, Daryl. I only <laughs> said that to get a conversation going with Brian because I know you hate emojis. <laughs> Fair enough. So without using emojis, bring some emotion to the content you share online. So thank you, everybody, for joining us today. As always, it's been fun. And as always, go tear it up there. And most importantly, sell from the heart.